I know a church, I don't know if they still do it, but at one time uh, they had over 400 jobs in the church and people would, would just sign up and you'd tell them what you could do and they had 400 different things that you could do in the church. I've never been organized enough to make a list up of things that you could do. Um, I've always felt like the call of God was what you see that's needed to be done right now. Uh, you know, if you, you go by the toilet and it needs flushing, you flush it. Now, I'm, I'm going to be personal with you for a minute. How many of you go in a public bathroom and, and despise to go where there's somebody gone and, and used the bathroom and not flushed it? Don't you hate that? Yes. I hate it. We have a patrol around here after church. We go check toilets. Boy, if you ever forget one, you'll remember it when you go back in there again. If you have a baby diaper in a garbage can and you leave it for a few days, you'll regret it when you go back in there. But I, I think about things in the church that need to be done and seem like people don't, don't see it. People's lives that are hurting and we just don't see it. We don't, we don't, if we see it, we don't do anything about it. So I got to thinking about God's potential for your life. What could God do with, with a guy like Glenn? What could he do with him? What could he do with a guy like Mike or, or Clay or Jimmy? He's old and wore out. What could God do with a guy like that? I'm being, being nasty this morning, but get my point when I say this to you. Moses had followed the mandates of God to lead the children to the promised land. Abraham had been given that promise. And Moses is, is trying to carry that promise out. But Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land. But he has a young man there named Joshua that's going to take the children into the promised land. So I want to talk to you about God's potential for your life this morning. I want to use just two verses of Scripture with you. I'm going to read you another verse, but I just want them to put this up for you. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the potential that's in this room this morning and the potential of those that would listen to this broadcast or listen to this message by way of internet. I pray, God, a miracle into each life that's under the sound of my voice at this moment, whether they're live in person or they're by tape, I thank you for speaking to us today through your word. And I ask your blessings on this time we're together that Christ could be exalted and that you would anoint our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. God gives Joshua direction. Moses is dead. You take this people and go over this Jordan. Scholars believe that that Jordan was out of its banks when God told him to do this. But if you will read in your private time those other next few eight, ten verses there, you will see that God tells him there's some things he has to do. 
He has to walk right and follow the commands of God. He has to study the law day and night is what God says to him. We've talked to you over the last few services about having a hunger for the Word of God, spending time in the Word. I think most of us have a tendency to not have a daily routine of spending time in the Word. You know, Pastor David and I are privileged. We have some, some moments of time and minutes and maybe even hours in the days that we work here in the office that we have time that we can set aside in our work schedule and spend time in the Word of God. I have a, a, a great uh, desire to listen to people preach. And so oftentimes I will either in my office on the Internet find somebody preaching or I will turn my radio on in my vehicle and I'll listen to preachers. I listen to some music like some of you do, but I listen to more preaching than I do music. I like to hear preachers preach. I often spend time in prayer just while I'm in my office or while I'm in my vehicle, I have time to pray. It's not just to go to the hospital or nursing home and pray for somebody. It's oftentimes just Jesus and I and our communicating with one another. And God always impresses me of what I have to do. To uh, Sister Tanner and uh, to, to brother, brother Ben and Brother Mike, uh, Sister Georgina gave me a prophecy several years ago. I read it often. And God said to me, if you'll follow the commands, if you'll follow my mandates, I'll bless, I'll anoint you. I just believe that God wants to speak to you today about what He wants you to do. If you, if you really read these next few verses, you're going to see God getting the attention of, of Joshua. But you're also going to see uh, what Joshua does. He goes and tells his leaders... Get the people ready. I want to read it to you because I want you to see what, what God has said. It's found in verse 11 of chapter 1 of Joshua. He said, Pass through the host, this is Joshua speaking, and command the people saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God give, uh, uh, giveth you in... Uh, giveth you to possess. If you remember, there were two boys that went in and spied this land that came back with ten other spies. Everybody except for Joshua and Caleb give a negative report. These boys say we're well able to go and possess the land. So Joshua had an attitude of, I can do this. I can do what whatever happens. But at that point in time, Joshua had no idea he's going to be the one to lead them into that promised land. He thought Moses would lead them in. But God raises up people in ministry overnight. <laughs> I've seen people that sit in church for 50 years and never find a spot, never find a job, never find something that they see that needs to be done. And I find people, the day after their, their conversion, they're ready to go out and launch out into the deep. I, I did that in my life. I was witnessing to people within a few hours after I was saved because I knew the glory of God had come into my life and I was changed and I had to tell somebody about it. But some people don't, don't seem to feel that. Oh, they'll come to church. They'll pay their tithes. But they never express a desire to be used of God 
in what God's doing in their life. And I'll tell you who the most miserable people in all the church are is those that are not being used of God. They're miserable. Every one of you have a desire within your heart from the moment of conversion. I believe there's a desire in the heart of a person to be used. Some of us are not used because we don't want to take the opportunity to do it because we're afraid we'll offend somebody. We're afraid we'll hurt somebody's feelings if we do that. Well, that's their job. You know, we, we, we often, to guests, we often don't realize the importance of speaking to people when they come to church. When guests walk through these doors, we ought to embrace them. When church family comes through these doors, we ought to embrace one another. We ought to, we ought to let one another know, we, we're glad you're here. We're glad to see you. I, I told Pastor Ben this morning, I have never called one when he walked through the door. I've never said, I don't want that one. I just, I just have a desire to see people that we can disciple in Christ. People that we have an opportunity to minister to. There is potential in every person that's under the sound of my voice this morning to be used of God, even though at this point in time, God may have never used you in the area He's going to use you. Watch this. When you're, when you're contemplating what God would have you do, uh, oftentimes people say, I don't know, I don't know how, what call God's placed on my life. I hear that probably more than any other excuse of anybody in the world. But I think one of the greatest challenges in being a Christian is to realize that perhaps God's chosen to use you in some type of ministry. Now, let me help you out a minute. Sister Mary Blasberg, you in here? Where are you? There she is back there. We've had people for all the years that these church buildings have been here, we've had people that clean the church. We've had people volunteer to clean the church. Families used to clean the church. It became a burden. And Brother Jimmy and I were talking one day. He said, why don't we just hire somebody to clean the church? And we've hired people to clean the church. And Sister Mary's out on a little, little sick leave sabbatical from some surgery she had. So Pastor David and Pastor David's family has been cleaning up since she's been out. But we've never had anybody that's ever cleaned these buildings like Sister Mary Blasper. I mean that. She goes beyond what she has to do. I've come in here and caught her wiping things down that never had been wiped down before. And she's doing it because it's a ministry. Not for the little small meager amount we pay her to do it. If she were getting paid by the hour, she probably would probably say, y'all not even paying minimum wage. But, but just the time. This is her time to come and minister to the Lord in cleaning the house of God. Now some of us never think of things that way. I talked about flushing the toilet. You know, when you see things that need to be done, you just do them. That's just the call of God to be alive. You don't have to ask anybody. You don't have to announce to anybody that you've done it. There's a lot of times that, that we catch people out here doing things and we don't even know they're here. We got these video cameras now. And Brother Apostle Paul called me one day. He said, who's at the church? I said, what are you talking about? I don't know who's at the church. It was this little bird right here. See, we find those cars on those, on those cameras. These guys got those cameras on their phones. They can look at them and tell who's out here if they want to see who's out here. She's out here pulling weeds out of the flower beds. It's an unthankful job, but boy, it's a ministry to the Lord. See, it's not a, this is not a job. This is not, you know, people say sometimes when you get a job, you want to know what's the benefits? How much am I going to get paid? How much vacation I got? And, and you know, uh, I want to know about my health benefits. I need health insurance. 
How many of you have ever took a job and you ask people, what I get paid? How many hours do I have to work? How many of us have ever done that? Most of us have. If we've ever gone to apply for a job, we want to know the benefit package. pastor friend of mine went to a church up in Ohio, in Ohio and the people said, this is what we do and this is this and this is that. And He went and looked at the church and one of the guys said to him, well, aren't you interested in your package? He said, I don't care about the package. God called me to come here to preach. You see, it's, it's not that I got to get paid. It's not that somebody's got to pat me on the back because God keeps record in heaven and He knows everything you've ever done for the kingdom of God. Every church you've ever been in, any ministry that you've done, every time you've prayed for somebody, every time you've encouraged somebody, every time you've visited somebody, every time you've given a gift, whether it's in the tithe plate or whether it's to somebody individually. Whatever you do, God is blessing you because you're in ministry. Most of us don't think you're in ministry unless you're preaching or teaching a class. And that's the mistake the church has made. All the years that I've been preaching is to get people to realize that God has potential in your life. There's a ministry that you can do in the kingdom of God that God has not called me to do. And, and yet, a lot of times people say, well, let the pastor do it. Someone said to me today, uh, what do we have to do to get baptized? All you got to do is tell me you're going to get baptized. 600 gallons of water are going to go in there. We're going to heat it up. And Brother Paul's going to get in there with you. That's all we need to know. We want to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus. But it doesn't take but just about an hour to fill that baby up. You probably want another two or three hours to warm it up. But if you'll let us know which Sunday you want it, we'll have water baptism. We'll baptize more than just the ones that ask about it. But God has a ministry for you. It may be filling up the baptistry. It may be getting in the baptistry with somebody. It may be helping to lug somebody to Jesus. But you have a ministry. You know, I think a lot of us live our whole life never realizing the potential that God has for us. And we leave this world unfulfilled because we cannot comprehend how God could use me. I still... Sometimes I wonder, how in the world is God using me anyway in ministry? You know, I, I, I could have probably just done what the assembly's uh, leaders told me to do, just teach a Sunday school class. I probably could have done that. But I said, that's not what God's called me to do. God's called me, I can teach a Sunday school class, but God's called me more than to be a Sunday school teacher. He's called me to be a pastor. You, you see, you may not know the potential that God has for your life. Joshua had really no idea when he's going into the to spy the land and comes back with that positive report. He has no idea that he's going to be the one that's going to lead him in the promised land. But God looked at the potential in his life. Tonight we're going to talk to you about the heart of God. And David had a heart that was after he was after God's own heart. God saw the potential in David's life. A lot of us look at one another and you know we look at the stature, we look at, at what people are. Samuel's looking at the brothers of David and he's saying, oh, here's Eliab. He's a big old boy, strong. He's the one probably that God's going to choose to be king over Israel. God said he doesn't have heart. You see, there are times in our life that we forget that God is trying to use us. Joshua is commissioned by God to conquer the promised land. And God spoke to Joshua and he told him to take up where Moses had left off and lead the children of Israel. I wondered sometimes... Don't you think Joshua knew that Moses was dead? God announced to him, Moses is dead. He already knew he was dead. This is God's way of saying, he's history. He's not here anymore. It's time for, it's your turn. Time for you to step up. 
Do you, do you ever, do you ever, do you ever remember, I say this sometimes to you, some of you look at me like I'm stupid. Most of our young people, younger, younger people are gone. Do you remember when you, Brother Tommy, did y'all ever play Red Rover, Red Rover? Did you, don't shake your head at me, say yes or no. Yes or no. I can't see his head nodding. In, in graceful Florida, y'all played Red Rover, Red Rover. And you always wanted somebody to call Tommy to come over. Did y'all ever play? Where were you raised at? Theodore, Alabama. Theodore, Alabama. Y'all played Red Rover, Red Rover. Where were you raised at? Fort Lauderdale. You never played Red Rover, Red Rover. <laughs> y'all stayed in the house with the door locked. Hung out on the beach. Hung out on the beach. Where were you raised at, sister? You read her? In Columbus, Texas. Now, y'all play Red Rover, Red Rover. And you always wanted them to say, you read her, come over. You always wanted to be chosen, didn't you? You, you ever you ever play dodgeball and you and you pick teams? You always hello, pick me, Jay, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, coach. Right? When you coaching these kids, they're saying, "Coach, let me play. Let me play, coach. Can I get in, coach? Let me bat, coach." Huh? I listen. I'm in the dugout. I'm in the dugout. State tournaments. I'm in the dugout. I'm the manager. I'm in the dugout. I got two base coaches. My telephone rings. My son Jensen's on the All Stars. He's 11 years old. Everybody on the team's 12, but him. And I, I answer my telephone. It rings. I answer my phone, and my wife said, "Are you gonna let my kid play?" <laughs> huh? Don't we all want to play? Isn't everybody want to be on the team? Don't you want to join it? Have you ever played Red Rover? Red Rover? I'll get out of here. As young as you are, you played. You never played it. No. <laughs> but don't you want to be on the team? Don't you want to be excited about what the team is doing? Aren't you a team player? Isn't everybody in the room a team player? It doesn't matter if I'm playing, I can be the cheerleader. I'm a good cheerleader. Rah, rah, rah! <laughs> but why do we get involved in the kingdom of God and we want somebody else to do what God has called us to do? You can be the best. When we were, we were at, at Karen's 40th Class or class reunion the other night, and and they had a picture of the guys that played football. And there's a guy up there that's not. He's a lawyer. Brother Timmy Scoobord's lawyer. I said, did he play football? He said, no. He was a trainer. He was the best trainer we ever had. Now, how many of you feel like the trainer is imported on the football team? Well, I'm telling you, the water boys imported on the football team. Anybody that does anything, those girls that stand out there, I used to wonder why these cheerleaders stand there and scream, go, 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 fight, 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 win, 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 clap you can. And we'd all just sit over and look at them like, Bleh. and they got a big old thing blaring out, crispy bulldogs, crispy bulldogs. And we got the band down there and we got the pep club. We just, you know, we're all excited about it. We build a big banner and we run out through it. We bring the football team out that way with about 400 kids in front of them. And we're all excited. We got our faces painted. I remember when Trevor used to paint himself up. I couldn't even recognize. One time they wouldn't even let him in the ballpark because he came in with horn things on. They were afraid it was some kind of weapon. He's going to kill somebody. He couldn't even come in the ballpark with it. But we get excited about that. We, we go to church and we, we're excited about what Jesus is doing. We get excited when somebody gets saved. Somebody wants to get baptized. We get excited. If the preacher shouts a little bit, we get excited. But we don't ever do anything without excitement in the kingdom of God. We miss the potential for God to use us. 
You see, it all started in Joshua's life in his younger life. I want you to listen to me very closely. I got some pictures that's been saved on my computer and I don't even know how to find them. But every now and then they show up and Alyssa Marshall is about that tall in that picture. Jensen's about that tall in that picture. And I look at them and I think, God, they've grown up right before our eyes. You know, I want you to, I want you to listen to me. If Jesus tarries his coming, young people listen to me. If Jesus, Jesus tarries his coming, this pastor, these pastors, these pastors, those pastors are not going to be here. We're going to be gone we're going to have our reward. But somebody's got to step up. I'd love to talk about the Joshua generation, not afraid to stand at Jordan's banks and declare we're going to cross over into the promised land. You, you see, a lot of us have stopped short of the promised land because we knew the potential that God had in our life to use us. But we were also afraid that once we crossed over, there's more going to be required of us. Because you see, beyond those banks of that Jordan River is a place called Jericho. You still got to go to Jericho. You still got to trust God through whatever you're doing. I'll tell you how God called me. God called me the day that God saved me. He called me to preach that night. He called me to preach that night. I didn't want to, I didn't want to preach. So I said, okay, I'll clean toilets. I'll cut the grass. I'll paint the walls. I'll be the Sunday school superintendent. I'll go to the church on Saturday, take a list and call people and say, Pastor wants to see you tomorrow. Sunday school at 9.30, worship at 10.30. Pastor asked me to give you a call. I'd go to the church and do that every Saturday. I'd get on the bus, a little bus, and I'd run around with clowns on Saturday. We'd take bubble gum. We'd drive 10 miles around Fort Walden, take one little piece of bubble gum to a kid in a trailer park and say, we'll get you in the morning, buddy. We'll be here. We'd go out to neighborhoods and, and we'd, do, we'd do puppet shows and tell kids about Jesus. I set up in the biggest Jewish family in Mary Esther. They let me set up and tell about Jesus in their yard. And we had dozens of kids would come. We'd give them Kool-Aid and give them some cookies and we'd tell them about Jesus. Oh, nobody's doing that anymore. We would have the clowns. When David was born, David was a little guy. We visited a church here in town and a guy came in that had, some of you know this guy, he had a, a patch on his eye and we were in the bathroom Dave and I were in the bathroom and he came in the bathroom and David said oh boy daddy they got pirates here <laughs> we had people that did everything some people that couldn't even get up in front of a crowd could do puppets I haven't seen anybody do puppets in forever and, and you know we would excite the kids we'd have a time with the kids every Sunday morning I had a guy that drove a bus we had a, actually it was a 20 passenger bus the first Sunday he came in in that bus, he had 33 on that bus. And I said, Brother Dennis, you cannot bring 33 kids to church in that bus. He started crying. Now, this was a man that had no education, but had a driver's license. He never went to school, never, but he had a driver's license. And he said, Brother Katie, you're not going to take the bus away from me. No, I'm not going to take the bus. You're just going to make two trips. He'd make a trip with his wife. 
and he would leave her at church with the first bus load and he'd go back and get the other bus load. He didn't start at 9 o'clock in the morning. He started earlier. He would stop at the store. I had to make him stop. He would stop at the store, buy a gallon jug of milk and a bunch of honey buns or whatever uh, rolls, cinnamon rolls. And those kids would all drink out of the same milk jug to get to, school, to, get to church. He'd bring the dirtiest, filthiest kids you've ever seen. Kids that had never been church, he brought to church. He would stand in the bathroom with them while his boys went. His wife would stand while the girls went. You would have thought they were an army because they were all disciplined because he would tell them what you need to do. You need to sit down and be quiet. They sat with them in church till they went to children's church. They took them and went to children's church with them. These were their kids. They never had a kid until later in life. But let me tell you this. Just because God didn't give him an education, just because he wasn't, you know, maybe the guy that you would have picked to be the bus driver, he's the guy that God picked. Amen. He had a little bus that had one of those things that tells you where you're going, you know, puts what, what the next stop is or whatever. That thing had water in it continually. When it rained, he would get in it. When he'd turn the wheel on the bus, it'd just pour out in his lap. He'd come to church with his pants soaked. It didn't matter because he didn't want people not to be able to come to church. They moved in the north end of the county. They were going to the church that I had gone to at one time. And the church bought a new bus and would not let him take that van down a road because it was a bad dirt road. He'd walk a half mile to get people to, to bring them back to that bus in the rain, whatever was happening, cold or heat, he'd walk that half mile to that house and get them and bring them out to the main road. Now, people heard him because they didn't realize the potential that God had given him to touch kids. He would fill the church up with kids. He would make life so miserable for Sunday school teachers and children's church leaders because he would bring kids that, that never told to sit down and shut up. He would bring them. They were his kids. Do you know, I think sometimes we want somebody else to take the problems. We can look at Jordan and we can say, well, God's able to take me over this thing. I've got the potential to get over here. But I would rather sit back. I'd rather sit back. I told Sister Karen last night when we got home, I said, I just want to get away. I just want to get away. I just need some time. Just get away from all of it. It's almost consuming. When you, when you walk in and you look at somebody that just a few days ago you saw them and they looked healthy and you see them now and they're sick. They're really sick. It breaks your heart. And you see God just mold them and change them. I, I mean, these are different people than you saw that I'm talking about. They're different people than you saw them last time unless you've seen them since Thursday. God has broken their life. We have people that are, that are hurting in the hospital, people that are, that are needing God's touch. We have people that are home that are discouraged. And, and we need people that are able and have the potential to go touch their lives. Go touch their lives. I don't know of a pastor, I may be wrong, I don't know of a pastor that gives everybody in the church their cell phone numbers. I know deacons that don't even have the pastor's cell phone number because they don't want to be bothered. At our house, we've never, we've never considered this a five-day week. Sister Karen said, you know, God said there's seven days on the Sabbath you, you rest. She said, you've never had a Sabbath. You know, you put in the hours and the time, and you do that because you, you love people. 
because you love what God's doing in your life and in the life of those people, not because you're seeking recognition. You see, you get up in the middle of the night because you're called because God's given you the potential to touch people's lives. You don't want to miss that opportunity. You know, somebody calls and says, hey, I, I need a carpenter over here, baby. I need somebody who can do this. This cat right here is on the job. He's ready to go get it. He's a money guy. He's got to make money. This guy back here, he's got expenses. He's got to make money. Pastor Ben, his family got to eat. His family's got to eat. And he's got a bunch of employees got to eat. And they're looking for a job. That's their job. There's some potential out there. Everybody needs a roof on the house. Everybody needs at some point in time something done at their house. Somebody needs a plumber. Somebody needs an electrician. Somebody needs, somebody, somebody needs a preacher. Somebody needs church with potential that'll just go and say, I'm here. You know, I've had people say, I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. Just go. Just show up. Just show up. Maybe you can cook a dish. I got somebody brought a chocolate pie over there this morning for somebody else, but I'm going to take it home when I get through today because <laughs> she doesn't like chocolate. So I'm just going to eat it. She said it was there to make her sweet. She'll get fat if she's not careful. You ever, you, ever, you ever think about a guy like Joshua? I get to thinking about these guys. These characters amaze me. I start thinking, you know, Joshua grew up the same way we grew up. Have you ever, you ever thought about the life of Jesus? You know, we got, we got, we got about 18-year silence in his life we don't hear about from the Word of God. But Jesus grew up just like everybody else grew up. That's the reason his brothers had, had struggled believing that he was the Messiah. Because they were raised with this guy. Now, they knew, if they thought about it, they knew Jesus never sinned. But let me tell you something. Joshua sinned, but he grew up. And people watched him grow up. And he grew up the same way. He had the same issues in life that we have. Nothing that he faced would have ever, ever made him any different than it made you. only thing that made him what he was was he knew that God had touched his life and that God would use him somewhere. He didn't know where. I wish the attitude in the church would be, you know, I'm available. I'm available. People tell me sometimes, Pastor, call me if you need me. And then they say to me, why didn't you call me? Why didn't you call me? We can put out 10,000 emails, 10,000 phone calls, 10,000 personal visits, and somebody will say, we didn't know you needed us. I pastored a church in this town that had been there at that time 53 years, had a sign out front. People that drove by that church every day said, I never noticed that church. Never noticed that church. We got a sign out here and people today, the only way they can tell where you are is you tell them you're a mile north of the high school They'll say those white buildings. Yeah, that's the place. That's where we are. But people don't notice. People will walk by need in people's lives, and if you don't tell them to go take care of those needs, they won't take care of it. I found something this morning that used to make me mad. I found bubble gum this morning on the sidewalk. Thankfully, I saw it. didn't step in it. But I probably should have just left it there. Because after all, I'm the pastor of the church. (laughs) 
not on your life. If I'd have had to go down on my hands and knees in this suit, I'd go down on my hands and knees and got that bubble gum up because I didn't want you to step in it. See, God uses me. I have potential. God lets me flush the toilets if Pastor David doesn't get it. I feel honored. I don't, I don't always get angry. Sometimes I get angry because people just abuse situations. But I don't get angry when God gives me an opportunity to be used. I don't, I don't, mind, I don't mind changing a baby's diaper. I, I don't mind that at all. The hard part is to feed him and have to, as Don Brankle said, part the whiskers to get the nipple in. Yes, that makes it tough. You know, perhaps somebody in this room today does not really know what God has in store for your life. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I've been saved a long time, but I really don't know what God wants me to do. And I, I want to look at them and say, what has God shown you to do? You, you know, one thing you, you're going to learn about potential, God's not looking at your ability as much as He is, is are you available. Availability is what God's looking for. Are you the guy, are you the lady that God will use for His next journey into the promised land? Something's been promised for hundreds of years. Some of us may not ever get to fulfill the call that God's really called us to. He may raise up another person to carry you to the next step in life. But God has opportunity for us. We, we go back in our childhood, and I, I was teasing about playing Red Rover, Red Rover. I always thought that was a sissy game, but I always played and said, choose me, choose me, but I thought it was a sissy game. But I was raised, and Brother Jimmy was raised in a community where we went to a church where people loved us. Uh, you know, we went to a school where our teachers were really committed to us, to teach us. I mean, we, we had people that were really involved in our life, interested in our life. Those are the people that we went back to when we started the church. That's the people we went and asked for financial help. Is the people that had nurtured us and helped us through life. The people that had shared Christ with us. The people that had taken interest in our personal life, not just our spiritual life, but our educational life and our personal lives. People in our community that helped raise us kids. You see, when, when we were kids, we... We didn't play in the house with a computer. We played outside. And sometimes it was with a matchbox or a pocket knife. or Sometimes it was, don't even hear this, but sometimes we even took the gun and went and hunted without any adult supervision. Can you imagine doing that? Brother Jimmy even fished on Sundays until he sunk the boat. And Daddy wore him out because they got out on the bank and tried to dry their clothes out with lighter knots and they stunk. And him and my brother Greg got a whipping because of it. I didn't get a whipping. I was on the bank watching. <laughs> but we couldn't fish on Sundays. How many of you were ever raised in a place where we wouldn't let you hunt or fish on Sundays? See, that was against Dad's beliefs because Sunday was a day of rest. You don't fish. You could play ball on Sundays, but you couldn't fish or hunt on Sundays. Ridiculous rules he had. But we learned to live by those rules. And God took the things that we were taught in life and he let us apply those to our adulthood. That's called maturing. It's called growing up. In this Christian faith, you don't start out 
taken them to the promised land. You hear what I'm saying? You know, every young pastor just about that I've ever known didn't want to didn't do a work at the nursing home where it didn't pay. He didn't want to go, you know, one-on-one with somebody. He wanted to preach at big church with the big steeple, you know, with the big crowd. That's where most preachers wanted to preach. You don't start out there. You know, you feed the sheep in a different way than standing behind a pulpit and feed them when you first get called to preach. When God wants to use you in ministry, God may start you out in something that's not what your potential is. Very seldom do you ever see anybody that has the potential to do what they're doing from the get-go. God builds the character. God builds their faith. God builds their knowledge of the Word of God. And then God opens an avenue to use you in a different way. Some of you, we found out in this church there are so many gifted people. We were just, just Karen and I were amazed at how many gifted people God has given us. And some of you, we've not, we've not been fortunate enough to see your gifts yet. But some of you have exposed yourself to us. You've let us see the potential that God has for your life. Well, God wants to use that for His glory. I always, listen, I have all these concepts. I've never, I never been able to do it because I don't know how to do it. But I'm going to throw a seed at you. I always wanted to do a children's comic book that was a Christian comic book. I always wanted to do one. I always wanted to personalize that comic book. But I never could do it because I don't know how to do that. But I always thought this would be a neat idea for somebody to take. And some of you are going to say, well, people already do that. Have you looked at some of the comic books or the little books, the little picture books that we have? Have you ever looked at a child's Bible? Have you ever sat down and really just thought the potential that God could use, even in a child, the potential that God could use? I I just believe that some of our children, God has laid their hands on them. The boys got out of the truck this morning the leader was not the oldest one. Gad was out front, full blast. I told his dad, I said, that's your leader right there. He's not a follower. He's a leader. He's going to step up. And, you know, God prophesied to, to little Gad. He was going to use him. God's called him. Now, some of you get real nervous when you start getting your kids called. The greatest gift God ever gave you with your children is to call them in some type of ministry to be used of God to bless people's lives, to touch them, to pray for them, to encourage their hearts. I just believe so much potential is among us, and yet we're not using that potential for God. I've got to hurry. I'm going to run out of time. You know, God's, God's potential for our life and His call for our life may not be fulfilled in us or in, in others. And some of us, like Moses, we may, we may get to that end and somebody else may have to take it the rest of the way. But some of us are like Joshua. Some of us finish the call that God's placed on somebody else's life. I don't for one moment believe that I became a preacher just because God liked me. I don't believe that. I believe that when people prayed for me, maybe even as a young child, I believe when people prayed for me, they saw potential in my life and they went ahead and exercised their faith and prayed a certain direction for my life. I, I believe that's possible. I believe that when, when, when you have a, a, a baby, you set the potential for their life. 
Have, I don't know if any of you have ever seen the guy that's standing by the bed playing the guitar and the little baby's on the, on the bed jumping up and down and, and trying to help Daddy sing uh, the song. And I can't even remember the song he's singing. But, but it's powerful to watch that baby. And I had this thought, I bet you when that baby was in his mama's womb, they were playing music to her. She's just all into Daddy's music and what Daddy's doing. I just, sometimes I think we, we let our children just sit. The first thing that you will find about children today is they love an iPhone. They love an iPad. They love anything that's electronic. I think it's kind of born into the family. They just, they just go there. They gravitate to it. And listen, kids don't know how to, they don't know how to find the potential for their life because they're sitting and they're playing with their fingers a game. People will sit in church, not just kids. People will sit in church. It's constantly. My phone rang yesterday during Galen's service. I didn't, had no idea anybody would call me while we were in there. I just bumped my phone, shut it off. But it was an important call from California. The telemarketer probably needed to talk to me about my computer or about my credit cards that they don't want to help me out with when I tell them I've got $30,000 worth of debt. They want to get somebody else on the line. Click. Or if I ask them if they're Muslim or if I tell them that they need Jesus, they always hang up on me for some reason. I don't know why they do that. But I didn't. And Pastor David said I was an amateur because I didn't turn my phone off. Everybody knows you can turn your phone off. And you think I learned yesterday, right? My phone's up there and it's still on just in case, just in case somebody needs me. I don't want to miss an important call. Because God might have a job for me. Cousin came up to me yesterday and said, I hear you're retiring. I said, it's the first I've heard of it. Well, I thought you were going to retire. <laughs> no, I'm going to die. That's the, way I'm going to, that's the way I'm going to get out of this job is die. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to retire. Don't ever think that. Not retiring, okay? Dying, yes. No time soon. No time soon. But, but, but look at your potential. Not even, not even in the notes. You all know Moses was 80 years old, Right? You all know that Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. You all know that, right? Now, everybody in this room, there's nobody in this room that's 100 years old. Nobody. Probably not even anybody will listen to this message that's 100 years old. There's a 90-plus-year-old in here, but not, not only one of those that I know of. There's some 80s. But at the prime of your life might be when you say, it's time to quit. That might be the time that God picks up and opens an avenue for you. Don't ever limit the potential that God's given you. We always, 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 19 years of Jensen's life, he's been told, Joseph always rose to the top. You always rise to the top. He started talking about going to this expensive college. Yeah, I'm talking about 
$60,000 a year. And I said, oh no. And his mom said, son, you dream it. If you want to do it, you can do it. Always rise to the top. God will provide. God will provide. Crazy daddy will go nuts, but God will provide. But listen to me. How much potential is in your life? Young people, how much potential is in your life? You ever, you ever, you ever, Sister Amy's coming across that walkway today, and I said to Sister Sylvia, you believe that thing's going to be in high school this year? And Sister Sylvia, when she opened the door for her, she said, are you going to be in high school this year? Have you ever, have you ever realized the potential in your life? Go back and read, if any of you graduated from school, and they gave one of those, the rest of your life stories, read what they said about you. My wife laughed when she read mine. Said I was the most at, most athletic. So I told you, <laughs> told you. I got all the accolades. I'm the star. I'm the star. The class said I was the most most athletic. I won the most valuable player, baseball. I'm good. You Yankees, Twins. <laughs> All those teams could have picked me, but they didn't. But God did. And God said, here, you don't have to be a superstar. You can just be naughty. I was preaching my first revival, and the preacher was going to kind of critique me a little bit. And he said, here's what you need to do. You need to pattern your ministry after Oral Roberts and Billy Graham. I said, Pastor, my name's not Oral. My name's not Billy. My name's Donnie. All I can be is Donnie. If that's not enough, then God made a mistake. Don't you ever think God made a mistake with the potential He's given you. You need to exercise your faith and step out in faith and do what God's leading you to do. And you say, well, God's never told me what to do. You've never opened your eyes nor your ears. He that hath ears... Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You've got to have spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to know the potential that God has for your life. Pick that phone up and move it out of the way. It's coming in. I called the Healy household. And I said, Brother Ben, could I meet with you and... Sister Tanner, he said, yes, sir. He had no idea. And I said, God spoke to me. Did I not say that? Mm -hmm. God spoke to me and told me y'all were to be the youth pastors of our church. You ought to have seen that Healy boy. <laughs> he looked like he'd seen a ghost. <laughs> oh. He said, well, we'll get back with you, Pastor. <laughs> This is news to them. They're at the Jordan River. And, and God's saying, you take them on across the river there, son. And we saw some potential come out of a young man, especially that we did not know that he had. The ability, the ability to be real and to be pure and to be a model for these kids. Tanner's just pregnant, trying to have that baby, trying to 
seeing what God's doing in their life and feeling like, oh my God, what is this pastor doing to us? <laughs> you know, Pastor Ben's, he got to do all this. Do you call him Pastor Ben or you call him Ben? Mm-hmm. You start calling him Pastor Ben. <laughs> do you refer to him as Ben in front of everybody? You start calling him Pastor Ben. <laughs> but just the potential. You know, what potential do you have? I, I just got to do this. I was reading somebody's post last night on Facebook. And they said the next tropical storm that we have will be named Debbie. <laughs> and I said, I can probably see that one happening. <laughs> What in the world? Why has God always, always seemed like He finds people with potential that are not really qualified? Think about it. Why does He? Because He wants to get glory out of what's done. God doesn't want your ability, folk. Get that in your head. If you're here saying, I'm not able, I'm not capable, I don't have the ability. Four shirts that were bought this week and given out to the grass cutters. One says maintenance man. Brother Paul says junior maintenance man. Brother Bill and Brother Tommy got one that says junior, junior maintenance man. I said one of them's qualified to work on anything. Brother Paul can change light bulbs. The other two have to hold the ladder. <laughs> but there's potential in all four of them to get out here and make this property look beautiful every week for us to come and enjoy. They take time out of their schedules to come and cut. And Brother Tommy's excited about the pay raise that y'all are getting, Brother Bill. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Let me ask you a question. If, if I were to ask you to tell me in one or two words what potential is in your life, what, 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 a, what ability you have. Most of you say, well, I, I really don't have anything. I just get up and go to work. I just get up and cook. I just get up and wash the dishes. I just get up and play with the babies. I just get up and don't do anything. I'm miserable. Life's boring to me. See, that's where we fail God. That's where we fail. I, I see these young people, and I see potential. I don't see, I don't see a bunch of knotheads or a bunch of pretty guys. I, I see all that, but I don't, that's not the, what the focus is. I focus on the potential that God has for your life. See, there are people that don't believe that Donald Trump's president. I'm still trying to figure out how he did it. Because for several years, he'd go on TV and say, I'm running for president, and he would never run. And then all of a sudden, he said, I'm running for president, and he is. Why did, why did, the Bible said God ordains those that are in leadership roles. Why did God ordain for Donald Trump to be in charge? I don't know. But God's in charge. See, there's potential in all of our lives. We, we may think, well, I'm close to the end of the journey. Well, I'll tell you this much. The closer I get to the end of my journey, 
the more I want to have the potential that God has in my life to be used. My time's running out. If I were 15 years old and know where I am right now in my life, my life would be different for the next 54 years. What potential has God got for you? What's He saying to you? Just me, Pastor. I, I really can't do all this stuff. You know who gives me the best haircuts I've ever had? Who? You. And do you know why your haircuts are so good? Because they make me look really good. But because you take the time to wash my hair and to massage my head and to make me feel like you really care about me because I don't pay you anything to cut my hair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so why would I want to go anywhere else? Why would I want anybody else? She makes me feel good about myself. You ladies go do your nails. You have your toenails done. You get the, I used to call them pedigrees. I think they're called pedicures. I can paint your toenails and your fingernails for a bottle of polish. Now you have to lay down on a table and I have to put your hands on a piece of styrofoam so I don't get on you. Some of you don't know where I'm going with it. But even the guys, even the guys that I painted their fingernails come behind me and take fingernail polish remover and try to get it off around the edges of where I got it on their fingers because that's not what God's called me to do. I can do it. I have the potential to do it, but that's not my thing. But that's some people's thing. Some people can take and cosmetize in a funeral home and make you look a lot better than you even looked while you were alive. <laughs> do you remember glamour shots? I would look at people's glamour shots and say, Who is that? Well, that's your wife. <laughs> Dummy. Glamour shots look like a different person because somebody had the potential to make you look good and you felt good about yourself. There are thousands of people in your grasp that, that do not believe that anybody cares about them. But you have the potential to make them feel like they're loved and they're needed and they're appreciated and you want them to be a part of your life. Am I right? You're looking for potential. I just gave you a, a great clue. I gave you a great lead. Find somebody that's broken and hurting and fix what's broken hurting. Right? Yeah. Little lady named Miss Maud Campbell was not married until she was probably in her 50s. She was a single lady. She wore the most lipstick anybody ever seen in their life. She just, she had big old succulent lips and she painted them babies up. And she wore a lot of makeup and she loved to kiss us kids. And we rubbed that lipstick off. Yeah. She had a, I think it was a 54 Ford Coupe, I think is what it was. I was young. She would load us up in that car. We could have walked three quarters of a mile, half a mile, three quarters of a mile to church 
She didn't do that. She picked us up. We get in the back seat of that car. And I, I want to tell you, I, I think at one point in time, she probably had as many as 20 in that car. She had us packed in there like sardines. Take us to church. When the rodeo came to Bonifee, she'd load us up and take us to the rodeo. Just our parents let an old woman, which we thought she was old, take us off. That lady had such an impact on our lives. I found out at 7 o'clock in the morning that she had died and her funeral was at 10 o'clock in Montgomery, Alabama. I told them at work, I'm gone. I went in my work clothes. I'm going to go pay my respect to Miss Maud Campbell. I drove till I found the cemetery where her funeral was and it was in a parlor there. That lady had touched my life. The first Jesus I ever knew about was through her. She touched my life. Most people in the community that didn't have kids never knew what Maud Campbell was. We boys, we Cadenhead boys loved her. We loved her. We would go over to her store. Our dad had a store. I'd go over to her store when I was a little boy and sleep in the feed room on a feed bag just because she had an impact on our life. Potential that most people don't think is a ministry of touching people's lives. You may not be leading into the promised land, but God's got a reason for you to be here. Don't miss that potential for your life. Let's pray.